Welcome to Fronteras, a program that explores issues at the border and beyond through the lens of arts, culture, and history. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. A broader Texas history is emerging across the state, and it's being told in more public spaces. San Antonio's Witty Museum is telling the story of the Black Cowboys of Texas. The broader story of San Antonio, dating back over 12,000 years, is told in a blending of art and nature along the still-developing San Pedro Creek Cultural Park. These diverse stories still struggle to find their way into classrooms. It's up to museums, public artworks, cultural events, and pop culture to keep this history alive. This history is being explored in the new podcast, Becoming Texas, published by the Institute of Texan Cultures at the University of Texas at San Antonio. The program's host, writer and documentarian John Philip Santos, has worked on this podcast with his students at the UTSA Honors College. He says students often take this new knowledge to reinterpret famous or infamous incidents in Texas history, like the Battle of Gonzales of 1835. The famous come-and-take-it flag was long seen as a symbol of Texas pride and rebellion. Time has revealed it to be a symbol with undercurrents of racism. And Santos says students helped convince the university to stop flying a version of that flag during football games. So the sense of an awakening that the students present when they take on the story of the come-and-take-it, Gonzalez struggle, and the way that that got adopted as a slogan at UTSA football games. And we see the the iconography of the come and take it flag being touted in the January 6th uprising, for instance, the insurrection at the Capitol. So they worked through the implications of all of this. And that was a, a particularly interesting moment in terms of UTSA's history with respect to the community, that it responded so compassionately, so quickly to the concerns that were raised about this, even as it had sort of developed into a kind of a mini ritual at the football games. Um, Another team of students have contributed to the episode on Black Texas that's forthcoming on the Black Cowboys exhibition that was at the Witty. So again, a history, a lore, a legacy, largely forgotten, largely lost, and how people then find a way to contextualize it and situate it, to understand the diversity of experiences made up the Texas epic. So how do we think about building on this more deliberately? So for a lot of us, we've been teaching some of these lost stories in our classes as part of you know, either some historical study or study of a particular community. You know, but what do we need to evoke this broader sense of of what we're calling a borderlands humanities. Humanities in Boston should be quite distinct from a borderlands humanities. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, we do read the Iliad and the Odyssey here, and we are aware of, you know, Shakespeare and Spencer and Virginia Woolf. But what else do we need to know to fill out a picture, a narrative of a borderlands humanities lens. And for us, that means taking stock of all that took place as a result of our connection to the epic of Mexico and the emergence of New Spain, the settlement of what becomes South Texas and North Mexico. I think to do that, we need 
artifacts like the Florentine Codex, the incredible document that was assembled in the mid-16th century under the direction of a Franciscan friar, Bernardino Sahagún. Sahagún has this idea, he realizes that this Aztec world is twilighting, that it's being literally, in some cases, pushed to the brink of extinction through epidemics and through violence and military conquest. He realizes that this is a high civilization that has learning, knowledge, cosmology, science. So the Florentine Codex is this 14-volume assembly of uh, the learning of the Aztec world. That is a piece of the Borderlands Humanities, to put in place for our students a connection to that story. What would you say, though, that that is, again, an an outsider's view? I mean, obviously, he was observing what was happening and and recording it, but he was an outsider who was recording this history. So again, you have to almost approach that with a grain of salt as well. Well, that's, that's how we approach a text like that. All of our texts of any humanities tradition, all of our texts are complex. In the case of the Sahagun text, he used oral historians. So he trained oral historians, some of whom were mestizos, some maybe even fully indigenous still, to recover these stories of the lost learning of the Aztecs. There is an element of commentary from Sahagun. So we have this this text inflected with uh, some moralizing. Mm. So we're, we're looking, in a sense, at the emergence of a new kind of mind, of a mestizo mind, that is part of this borderlands humanities tradition. We have indigenous traditions. We have traditions that are distinctly Iberian in origin. And then we have these mestizo traditions. And the Florentine Codex is arguably the preeminent text of the mestizo mind. The emerge and it's it's happening at its inception point at, at its creation moment. So yeah, we we look at those stories. It's an incredible uh, document also because it's written in Nahuatl, in Spanish, and in pictographic language. So it's an amalgam of all of these ways of understanding the world that were in play early in the development of New Spain. Two hundred years later, San Antonio emerges. So two centuries pass, all of that history uh, taking shape in colonial New Spain. Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, the explorer José Escandón, who settles a, a good deal of what becomes northern Mexico, including Laredo. So all of these stories are part of this missing narrative that, that we're, we're reconstructing through a borderlands humanities framework and finding ways to do that using media, using art, using public space, like the Creek Park Project. So we're early in the development of this, how we think about a new kind of curriculum that takes stock of the ways that the Western tradition, the the European and the Iberian tradition, found their way to Mexico and were amalgamated in part of this emerging cultura there. So what it, in a sense, posits is that here in San Antonio, at the very least, in South Texas, we have this other American origin story. We're all familiar with the Plymouth Rock tale. We're all taught about that in school, 1620, etched into stone on the <laughs> beach. Well, 100 years before that, there was this other origin in Teotihuacan and 
Tenochtitlan, the city that the Aztecs had created. And that's the story that sets in motion the events that come to create San Antonio and the world of South Texas, and indeed Texas itself. So you would think that that would be an exciting development to understand that we have this other origin story. In fact, the opposite impulse is what's happened. There have been struggles against teaching this history, as we know, in terms of ethnic studies in Texas. It's still kind of fitfully making its way into the classrooms. In other places, we've seen attempts to ban this story, like in Arizona. These things never work. In, In the long durée, in the long interval, we can see that these moments of kind of high dudgeon about these uh, challenges to a certain kind of supremacy can never withstand the human force of curiosity and the quest for justice. Those ultimately prevail. So what we want to do with this podcast is really use it as an instrument to explore these questions and to find ways to bring these narratives before broader publics. The Briscoe Museum in the uh, next years is developing what I think will be a really important first ever exhibit on the Tejano past in, in South Texas, sort of connecting to scholarship in that arena that has been very influential in the last decades, but has never really found its way into the museum world yet. And it's necessarily one that connects to this era of the colonial New Spain period. And there are complicated reasons why that history has been lost or controversial. On the one hand, it's been suppressed by certain often white supremacist forces. On the other hand, there are people who are uncomfortable about all of the struggles within the communities of indigenous and Iberian and mestizo worlds that were often at at odds with each other. They either couldn't find common cause or it was elusive to them. And so we want to find a way to use the classroom and the recording studio and the public spaces as venues for that dialogue. We've been doing a lot of it as well in Texas Monthly. So a lot of the writing I've been doing at Texas Monthly has been about these same themes. I grew up reading J. Frank Doby, um, the great Texas folklorist. I did not know of Américo Paredes growing up, mm. the great really the first ever Chicano scholar historian from Brownsville who worked on the ballad of Gregorio Cortes and said, you know, that the Texas Corrido tradition was this vessel in which histories had been preserved. Another piece that we do in this episode of the podcast dealing with the ballad of Gregorio Cortes. So in Texas Monthly, I looked at the relationship between J. Frank Doby and Américo Paredes. At times a pretty testy relationship. Particular, so they were contemporaries. They were contemporaries. Americo was younger and first experienced the kind of phenomenon of J. Frank Doby when he came to speak at his school in Brownsville. And he earned a place in Americo Paredes' uh, novel, George Washington Gomez, a novel he wrote in the 30s that didn't get published <laughs> until the 90s. <laughs> and in that book, he, he kind of skewers J. Frank Doby. But late in life, they made up. 
late in life, they found common cause. Uh, by that time, J. Frank Doby had been more or less uh, censored and expelled from the University of Texas at Austin as a faculty member because of his advocacy for civil rights. So their relationship is in many ways evocative of a certain kind of path that we find ourselves in contest with each other. And then at a certain point, perhaps there are opportunities for dialogue. And then we found some new way of being in common cause. So I find that kind of relationship particularly interesting. And, um, you know, there's new scholarship on the Texas Rangers, a recent book called Cult of Glory. You know, a kind of tell-all, no-holds-barred version of the Texas Ranger history. On their centennial at that. And in a very inconvenient moment for the (laughs) Texas Rangers. Uh, And about the changes they have gone through. But you contrast a book like that with Walter Prescott Webb's book on the Texas Rangers, which was a kind of hagiography, a sort of celebration of a very violent, bloody past. We're working these things out slowly. We're still missing so many parts of the story. All of these will come. And certainly in terms of what we're doing with the Borderlands Humanities Project at UTSA, we're meaning to foster an environment where those kinds of uh, investigations and scholarly inquiries can take shape. How we do that is still sort of taking shape. John Philip Santos is an educator, documentarian, writer, and producer. He's the host of the podcast, Becoming Texas, presented by the UTSA Institute of Texan Cultures. When we come back, the broader story of Texas is a relatively new conversation happening in collegiate-level courses like Chicano Studies. A lot of scholarship begins to take shape in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and into the present. So we're not talking about a field that has a, you know, a long history. It's been a history that has been fraught with challenges and, and contestations. Our conversation continues next on Fronteras. Welcome back to Fronteras. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. The podcast Becoming Texas has so far explored how corridos served as historical storytelling devices. They tell our people's stories, much like historians tell our stories also. The artists have always done that too. It has delved into anti-Mexican violence by the Texas Rangers in the early 20th century. These were people who were prominent residents. And there were no death certificates issued after they were murdered. There were no investigations. The podcast is presented by the Institute of Texan Cultures at the University of Texas at San Antonio. Becoming Texas host, John Philip Santos, says he and his UTSA Honors College students are working on a series of future episodes to be shared in the next few months. The ones that we've kind of staked out so far, we'll, we'll do next this episode on Black Texas. And, and it's going to kind of pivot on this anthology that Carrie Clack has done, which uh, is coming out through Texas A&M Press uh, and the Whitliff Archive at uh, Texas State. It's a survey of all kinds of literature, poetry, history, memoir, oral history. Uh, And then we'll do an interview with Annette Gordon-Reed, Texas-born scholar who has written on the history of slavery, a book on the Hemings of Monticello, professor at Harvard. And Gordon Reed has written recently on Texas history in broader ways in a a really 
important essay in the New York Review of Books, uh, looking at the uh, new Stephen Harrigan history of Texas and Lawrence Wright's book called God Save Texas. And in that essay, she gives us, I think, a a glimpse of what an African-American historian looking at Texas history is going to sound like. So that episode is sort of next up. Then we'll do an episode on indigenous Texas. With that, I'm really wanting to focus on the Coahuilteca story here in San Antonio with the Tapilam Nation and look at their struggle to establish their presence, to to maintain their memory and connection to the indigenous legacies of, of the Mission Indian communities and how that relates to struggles in other parts of Texas. We might, in fact, do a little feature in that episode on the Caddo Nation Juliana Barr's book, which kind of looks at the sophistication of the Caddo uh, indigenous communities in responding to the indigenous world. And then for this arc of the podcast over the next months, we'll we'll do an episode on, well, maybe call it mystic Texas. Mm-hmm. Or, so non-traditional religious and spiritual traditions in Texas, kind of looking at the phenomena of curanderos, of mysticism, spiritism, spirituality, uh, maybe even some uh, business relating to the paranormal, the UFO world, and the way it's connected to spiritual traditions. The, this will make a four-episode arc over the next um, eight months that will begin a process that I'm hoping more colleagues will uh, collaborate with. Scholars like Omar Valerio Jimenez, who contributes to the uh, the current episode on Tejano Tales, to do their own work in this kind of format. Well, that's what I love about these types of projects. Uh, I have worked at a radio station at a university prior to being here. There's always so much excitement when you have so much interdisciplinary action. And here, it's not just within the university, but with other institutions as well that you're working with. Yeah, well, that's the hope. Where are the coalitions possible for building a broader uh, platform for borderlands humanities. And it means, in fact, reaching out and deepening our, our already extant collaborations with places like University of Houston, UTRGV, UTEP, Arizona State, uh, UC San Diego, UCLA, all of which have various kinds of enterprises that are kindred, either in terms of the arts programs or the humanities programs, we lack a forum or a kind of um, a venue where we can aggregate this. We don't have a museum of the borderlands yet. We don't have a Smithsonian of the Latino world yet. That's still in struggle. <laughs> so how can we find opportunities in our museums, in our libraries, in our universities, in our performing arts centers to make this work vivid and accessible to a, a broad public? We think about Chicano studies, for instance, going back, we could say, if we think about the inception of Chicano studies with somebody like Américo Paredes, we're talking about the 50s. A lot of scholarship begins to take shape in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and into the present. So we're not talking about a field that has a, you know, a long history. It's been a history that has been fraught with challenges and, and contestations, So we're in an era where we're just beginning to get a sense of something that's possible in terms of new ways of understanding ourselves, not just as Chicanos, but as people of South Texas of every cultural origin. 
And a lot of this work and the podcast in this case is literally connected to the Institute of Texas Cultures. And, and that institute is being reimagined now. Um, a new director has come in, Monica Perales, is going to help us reshape the role that that institution is going to play for San Antonio, but also for the greater South Texas and Texas public. And what's been unique about the Institute from its inception during the hemisphere was the idea of the international representation, that it, it was a place that spotlighted all of the, the peoples of the world who came to Texas and what they made of themselves here. And I think it's going to continue to have that global quality to it. And, you know, in terms of, of borderlands, we're kindred with all of those contested borderlands around the world, Israel, Palestine, and Cyprus, and Kazakhstan, and Congo, and uh, Morocco, Spain. So we have this global compromiso with with other borderland spaces uh, worldwide that will also, I think, be part of this forum. So even as we're some decades into these struggles over how to bring our narratives forward, we're also kind of in the rumblings of the beginning of it. And that is exciting and daunting at the same time. John Philip Santos is a documentarian, producer, and writer. He's a professor of interdisciplinary humanities and a distinguished senior lecturer in Mestizo Cultural Studies at the University of Texas at San Antonio Honors College. He's also a contributor to Texas Monthly. Santos is host of the Becoming Texas podcast, presented by the UTSA Institute of Texan Cultures. Episode 1, Tejano Tales, is out now, and you can find a link to it at tpr.org. That's also where you can go to find part one of our interview with John Philip Santos. Thanks for joining us for Fronteras. Fronteras is produced by Norma Martinez and Marian Navarro. Our executive producer is Dan Katz. Our editor is Fernando Ortiz Jr. Charanga Cakewalk composed our theme music. Hear past episodes at tpr.org and on the Fronteras podcast. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. <music>